Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. Well, this morning we are going to uh, turn one more time to Philippians. So if you'll grab your Bibles, open them up to Philippians chapter 4. We are going to close out our series uh, in Philippians. We've been in there since early September, exploring this letter from Paul, and we're going to close out his words this morning. Uh, As J.D. mentioned and and kind of is indicated this time of year, uh, there are presents to buy, and this is a word of warning. There are seven shopping days until Christmas, so for you husbands out there that still have to go to the store, you're warned. So uh, make sure you're you're going so you don't end up buying something from uh, Casey's drugs or Casey's you know on on Christmas Eve or something like that. Uh, the the Christmas is a, a big part of it is the gift giving. Uh, obviously we know it's not the most important part, but it becomes a big part and uh, it becomes something that we do and we want to give gifts. And for some of us, we're all on top of that. We have. We, we've already have our gifts all wrapped. They've been under the pre, under the tree since uh, you know early November, maybe even uh, those of you that are real go getters. And some of us we haven't even thought about it yet. Uh, and wherever you're at, uh, we're, as we're thinking about gifts, as we're thinking about giving, we also are reminded of that common phrase we hear this time of year: "It is better to give than to receive." It's better to give than to receive. We hear that, and we know that, and, and we're reminded of that, but we're also, we also need to acknowledge that we can say that, but sometimes in our heart to actually believe that is tough, isn't it? Sometimes we like getting gifts. We like to receive, and, and I don't know that there's anything wrong with that so that we, our heart is in the right place. Uh, the, the idea this morning that I want to draw off and start to get gifts in our minds is to think again the gift that is Christ, the gift that was Jesus in the manger, and ultimately to find and say, where do we find our contentment? Where do we find our contentment when all these gifts are being passed around, or more in life, when we have things or when we don't have things? When we get blessing and when we don't have blessing, where is our hope? Where is our contentment? It's a connection because Paul, this morning, he's going to speak ultimately of the gift that the Philippian church gave to him. They gave him a a donation, an offering, something to help out his ministry. And Paul is thanking them for that gift. So it's kind of convenient that the week before Christmas, we're talking about giving and receiving between Paul and this church. Uh, this morning, I, I also want us to think on, on just in life that, that we know that, that there are so many things out there that want to get our attention, that want to uh, draw us in and, and want us to say, I will make you happy. I will make you content. And yet, we find in scriptures that Jesus is truly the only thing that can give us that contentment we need. I, I think of the, the commercial uh, that, that's out there. Some of you may have seen it with uh, the, the GMC commercials that are out there where, where someone goes and buys a bunch of stuff on Black Friday and they say, yeah, I saved a lot of money. And then they show the truck or whatever it is and they say, I saved money too. And, and you see the person that bought the Black Friday stuff and they just have this look of discontentment that it's like, man, I would have rather had that. That would have been made me more happy. 
It's this idea that what, what do we find our joy in, our contentment in? And that's the question of this message that I have this morning for us. The message title is Pressing On Towards Contentment and Generosity. Those things that are going to be linked this morning in our text. So let me pray, and then we'll read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 23. So let me pray and thank God for his word. Father God, we thank you this morning that we can gather in this place and pause in the busyness. Pause in the midst of everything else that's going on, whether it be Christmas or whether it just be life in general. We pause to open your word and to listen to it. To ask you, what would you have for us this morning? Jesus, we thank you that you are the you are the light. You are the joy that came into this world. You are the one who gives us a peace, a settledness, a contentment in life when things may not be at all. Father, this morning we ask that you show us what you want. Spirit, let us listen to what you would have for us. Help us grow in our contentment in you, expressed through generosity, our giving, and how we live our lives. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Paul says these things in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through the end. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know now to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need once and again, not that I, send, I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit, which increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, the fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet each saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Paul's closing words in this letter to Philippians, to the church at Philippi. A city he knows, a city he loves. For those of you who, who are just joining us at, towards the end of the series, Philippi is this church that's, that's 
miles away from Paul, where Paul is. They, they've sent, he sent this letter of thanks to them, of, of discipling and encouraging them to the city. And, and he wants them to grow in certain things. He wants them to grow in their walk with Christ, in their understanding of what's going on, their understanding of who Jesus is and how they live in their life, in their city, in their way. And so Paul is here closing out that letter. He's wrapping it up. And, and in this letter where he's now at this time giving thanks for their gift, thanks for, for them taking an offering and sending it off to, to him who's miles and miles away in prison, in a not-so-good situation, Paul is thanking them for that gift. But we need to see this gift is not just uh, something that he tacks on the thanksgiving at the end, but this is seen in the bigger picture. He, he sees what's going on. He, he shares with them about what is, God is doing in their midst and how he wants them to grow up. And, and this thanks continues to be a discipleship thing. He wants to draw out and encourage them and move them towards growth and following Christ. He isn't talking about the gift. He doesn't want to just give them thanks for the gift. He wants to say, look at what God is doing in you. The first point that we want to see in this morning comes from verses 10 through 13. Paul wants this church to grow in understanding of what contentment is in Christ. And for us, we can say that we want to learn contentment in Christ. Look again at verses 10 through 13. He speaks of the gift first. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly now at length that you have received your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, not that you... You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He's saying, you didn't have a chance to bring me the gift that you wanted to give me. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. If you're an underliner in your Bibles, underline that word content. I, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, and in every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. Paul rejoices. He thanks them for their gift. He, he wants to express the gratitude he has. Uh, but then in verse, uh, verse 11, as he gets down into it, as he's speaking of the need, he, he does this kind of shift that's almost like a, a, a quick jolting shift away from the gift totally. He says, no, I, I don't want you to think that I had need. I want to appreciate your gift, but I don't want you to understand this as what you give to me fills the need that I had. He says, no, I didn't have need. I'm not in need. Which is really perplexing to us, and we can start to think, why is he saying this? Because for Paul, we know he's in prison, he's suffering. In those days, the the giving of of gifts and payments helped to pay for his food bill, because he wouldn't be able to eat probably without some of the gifts. So, so clearly, this, this financial contribution to his ministry gives a gift and it helps serve a need. But the biggest thing that Paul wants them to hear is, I really wasn't in need. What does he mean by that? He continues on and says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I am to be content. This word is kind of the basis, the big idea of what he's getting at here. It's the thing that we need to focus in on and say, what is contentment? 
Almost every translation uses that word, so it's pretty universal. So we maybe need to go to the dictionary and find some other words that we can associate with it. Being satisfied, fulfilled, untroubled, at peace. Peace, which is what we talked about in the week prior. A peace that comes through Jesus. A peace that comes through the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, I have peace in my situation. I am content. I am not restless. I am not unsettled. I am okay with where I'm at. This is something that Paul is saying, this is, this is who I am, this is my situation. And, and we need to ultimately see all his other theology that's come before this. He, he said, I know what Jesus did. He came to serve me. He came to die for, be born as a man and then die for me. And, and all those things that we know to be the gospel. And he's saying, in that I find contentment. Earlier in the book, he even says, it's no longer I who live. Christ lives through me. He lives in me. It's Christ living out in me now. In that, I find contentment. But what's interesting is that Paul says, I have learned. I have learned this contentment. Sometimes we can see Paul as this supernatural, like, greater than, than us. He, he's way up there on the, on the church hierarchy. He, he's got, like, superhuman, you know, Christian strength type stuff, where, where all these things just came natural to him, that, that contentment would have come without work or without effort. But, but Paul says, I have learned it. And I don't think that that's just like, you know, Jesus came to him, he spoke to him, and snap, he had it. I learned it. No, I, I think Paul learned contentment and grew in his contentment over time, in his discipleship, just like you and I do. Paul had to learn this. And he says he has learned it. And for us, what that means is, is where we are not content, there's an element of saying, Am I able to learn this? Am I willing to learn this? Am I willing to grow in, in, in my contentment like Paul has? He goes on in verse 12 and kind of expands and helps us understand what this contentment looks like. He says, I, have been brought, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in every circumstance, facing plenty and hunger, Abundance and need, all these descriptors of highs and lows. He says, I have that contentment. I have found something that, that really creates an anchor in my life, that whether things get really good or things get really bad, I am anchored in something. We know the stories of Paul and how he suffered, how he had uh, suffered beatings, how he suffered persecution, how people... Uh, came and went in his life, and he had downs. And we can say that, that for us, we, we understand that, that, that we say, well, even when I'm down, I want to be content. I want Jesus to be the thing that makes me even keel, that doesn't rock the boat of my world. That I can find in Christ, in Him, when I hit rock bottom, when bad things happen, Paul says, that I know still how to be okay in life. But I think also Paul is expressing abundance. And we don't think about that often with, with Paul, that, that there were times where, where he would have been not only 
starving because he didn't have food, but there were also times in his life where he was probably sitting at a feast, including probably here in in Philippi. One commentator kind of speculated a little bit, but but I think he's on to something that that if Lydia, one of the first members of this church, was a a successful uh, businesswoman who, who sold purple cloth, she probably did well for herself. And when she... Paul came and dined in that family, she probably held great banquets and, and great meals for with Paul even there. And, and, and for Paul, he said, this is great. But even those good things, he says, but I'm not content in the fact that I'm teaching right now. I'm content in something else. I'm content in Christ. And that's what he says as he moves on to verse 13. We know this verse. You might have it on the wall at home, or underlined in your Bible, or, or you've used it. If you're on a sports team, maybe you even had it on a t-shirt someday, some time ago. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We need to see this word, this, this text, or that verse, and put it in the context of contentment. That we need to see that he's talking about, not that I can do everything or that I can do anything, uh, that they, what he's saying is, I can, in my life, be content in all things, highs and lows, because of Jesus. It's him who keeps me even keel, who keeps me straight and on the narrow, he keeps me going in life. It's Christ who strengthens us. It's Christ who strengthens Paul in the ups and the downs. So what about us? Do we know how to be content in Christ? When we, when we ask, when we, when we find it and things go really bad in life and, and we, the bottom falls out, are we able to approach that situation not saying, God, just get me out of here. I want to get out of this. This is painful. This is difficult. Or do we, are we able to rest in it and say, you know what, even in this hardship, even in this difficulty, even when it really is bad right now, because of the medical diagnosis I got, or because of the situation with my family members, or because that, that job situation just blew up and, and I'm affected by it, are we able to say, you know what, even in this hardship, I am content, I am I have peace in my life because of Christ who strengthens me. It's not that I'm nothing else other than Jesus. That's what Paul would have us say. But what about the flip side? What about the highs? What about the well, the, when things go really well? Are we still, we, this is when we don't think about that often, we don't talk about that often. If, if things go well in our life, if we get what we want, if we truly had all the things that we desired, or if you, someone handed you a winning lottery ticket maybe, gave you this multi-million dollar lottery ticket and said, it's yours. You can have whatever you want. I guarantee you, some of you guys are already thinking about what you might go out and get what you might do with that. And I worry that what we're doing in that is we're saying that that if we had all that money, if we had what we wanted in life, we really wouldn't need contentment in Jesus. 
it would change us. It would change how we act. It would change what we buy and what we focus on and how we think about life. Things would be roses, and then we would say, why do I need Jesus? think that challenges us today, and that's probably far more what we should be concerned about in our lives, where we really kind of can have whatever we want, isn't it? I would challenge us to ask ourselves, what are the things that I want? What are the things that I need? What are the things in my life? Because Paul says, I have no need. I have Christ. What's interesting is Paul turns this then and moves back to the gift. He says, as as you find strength in Jesus, as you find contentment in him, as I have found in him, as he speaks of that and he's wanting to encourage them towards that in his own life, he turns back to the gift. He, He turns back to the financial gift that is given to him. Verse 14 through 16. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need once and again. We'll pause there for a little bit. Paul shifts back to the gift, and what I want us to see this morning is that there's a connection between generosity, giving, and contentment. That generosity is connected to contentment. I think that those things are are seen here as kind of helping each other out. As we're more content, we become more generous. In our generosity, we are admitting our contentment in Jesus and Jesus alone. There's a correlation here, a connection that I think Paul is getting at. They're not two different sermons. They're one as he's connecting these ideas together. Paul really loved what these guys did. He was very thankful for the gift that he get, that they gave. In your readings this week, there, that I have down 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, where Paul says about the Philippians that they gave according to their means, meaning they, they gave rightly, they gave out of uh, what they had, And they gave even more. They gave beyond their means. This church becomes an example of generosity. They become an example and a beacon to look to and say, man, I wish we could be more like that. And he's encouraging them here in this passage in Philippians. Thank you for that gift. They shared in his troubles as he was in prison. They partnered with him in his ministry as he wanted the gospel to go out. He says they sent help to him when he was hungry, when he had troubles. So what is he doing here? Is he just thanking him? Is he just giving them thanks? Is he just saying uh, thank you and, and we get the back side of that where we kind of are reading Paul's mail to these guys and we should sit there and say, well, that's a detail we don't have to worry about. They gave him some money. Great. So what? Is he flattering them where he's trying to give them a pat on the back and make them feel good? Or is he, even some of us might be skeptical when we start talking about money and pastors, that maybe he's manipulating me, trying to work the system and get a little bit more out of them. What is he doing here? 
we have to remind ourselves that in this letter, Paul has been all about discipling. He's been all about communicating to them what God is doing in and among them and encouraging them to keep going in what they're doing. So when he sits there and he talks about this gift that they're giving to him, Paul becomes a discipler. He wants them to be encouraged, not just by saying, hey, you did a good job, attaboy for you. He actually wants to go and say, look at what God is doing in you. Look at what God is producing in you. He, he wants them to put on spiritual lenses and, and sit there and say, this gift that you're giving, which is great, and, and it's, it's really miraculous, no other church is doing this kind of thing for me. He's sitting there saying, God is working in you. He must be producing contentment in you. Because you're willing to give, and not just something small, you're willing to give big, and that's because you understand that in this life, your contentment isn't found in the coins that have just been delivered to Paul. It's found in Jesus, and they're willing to give up that. He starts to point towards the fact that they are learning generosity, and that means that they're finding contentment in the right things. And I can say that because there's a connection. Paul, again, in verse 17, kind of gives this jarring shift, this whole not-that-I-was statement, similar to what he said in 11. He says again, not-that-I-was-seeking-the-gift. Not-that-I-seek-the-gift. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He says, it's not the gift that I was after. It's not the gift that I'm even glad for, though obviously it helps in doing ministry and it helps in God's build, the building of his kingdom. But I think Paul would admit that that was going to happen anyway. God's kingdom was going to be built and ministry was going to be funded regardless of how God wanted to do it. What he's saying is, what I see in your giving when I see you reprioritizing how you spend your money and what you do with it, is that I see you're growing and that fruit is being produced in you. We think of fruit and, and the, the fruit that comes to maybe an apple tree, the apples that are produced, and we know that it's because of what's going on in the tree and, and coming out of the tree that the fruit comes. He says, I am seeing the fruit in you. I seek that fruit and I want that fruit to come out of you because I, that means you're growing in God and understanding of who Jesus is. For us, I hope that we can have the same experience, that we can desire uh, fruit growing in our lives, not because the fruit is something to celebrate, but the fact that God is working in us is worth celebrating. He again goes on, talking about generosity, talking about contentment, he speaks of their offering in these terms. Look at verse 18. He says, I've received full payment and more. This was a big gift. It was a generous gift. I am supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, the guy who's been the messenger of this letter, the gift that you've sent. And then he goes on to describe this beautiful thing. He calls it a fragrant offering. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. These are terms that he starts to pull out from the Old Testament. The idea of sacrifice and offering 
things that aren't needed now in the New Testament or things that aren't, aren't required in the New Testament. But what he's doing is kind of reflecting back, not just on, on trying to get something from God, but what Israel would have done to celebrate what God had done. They, they, in the Old Testament times, people would, would say, God, you have given us so much. Thank you for that. We, we sacrifice and give out of our abundance of what you've given us. We want to give back to you. And it would go up as they burnt the offering. And it would go up as a fragrant offering to God. They would, God would see it and, and, be, and know, hey, they, they're worshiping me. They're serving me or honoring me by what I've done for them. These offerings that Paul is talking about here, that Philippians is giving, is an expression that, that you, what you're giving to me, it's bypassing me and it's going towards worship of God. It's something that is going through me towards heaven and saying, the Philippian church is saying, God, thank you for all that you've given me. Thank you for the fact that you have given us much. And at Christmas time, we see that God has given us greatly. When we look at our Christmas cards and we see a manger scene on it. When we sing songs about the little baby Jesus there that came. Then we sing songs like the angels singing about what was coming. When we give gifts and meet with family and celebrate Christmas, what we are realizing is that God has given us so much. That even if, our, if that's what we had and it stopped there, we could worship God and be thankful, but He has given us far more. And when we give back to Him, we're acknowledging that. We're worshiping Him in that. We're celebrating what He's given back to, uh, or what He's given to us when we give back to Him as we do in our offerings here. The idea here that Paul wants to bring out, I believe, is that he's starting to see and he's acknowledging to Philippians, look at the contentment. Look at, at, at what God is producing in you. He, he's showing you that, that, that the things of this world that so easily can distract us and pull us away from God. He's saying, no, God is working in you to acknowledge what is true, that it's God who we find our contentment and our hope in. And this becomes an example for us to look at individually and as a church. And I want, to, I want to acknowledge that for us, Community Bible, we have been a very generous church. But we, are, we, we do well. But I hope that our generosity increases. Not so that we can fill our budget. Not so that we can give to missionaries. Not so that we can uh, do great things or, or whatever. The reason that I want us to grow in generosity is because when we start to grow in generosity, what that means is, is that we are finding more and more and more contentment, not in the things of this world, but we are finding our hope and our joy in Jesus. For some of you, you understand that. It makes sense. You're there. And my prayer for you is that, yes, you say, okay, what more? What more do I need to grasp hold of Jesus? What more can I hold to Him and find my contentment in Him? What area, other areas in my life am I missing this? For some of us, we don't find our contentment in Jesus at all. And so things, whether it be financial or whether it be our time, whether it be how we, how we use our days or, or how we go about doing our jobs, we, we hold tightly to them. 
because our contentment is found in them and we don't want to lose them. We can't get rid of them because if we lose them, we lose our peace. We turn our contentment to Jesus. Paul moves on in verse 19. He speaks to this church that in their gift, in what they're giving and how they're, they're finding their way through life and giving offerings to God. And, and I hope that we can hear this say, as we are giving, not in a, in a prosperity, if you give God something, He's going to give you something great back. If you give Him a little, He's going to give you a fortune back. Don't hear me saying that at all. Paul says in verse 19 here that, he, that God will supply our true needs. Verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours. And that's the same word that he uses up in verse 11. He, he says, I don't have need. And so now he's saying to the church in Philippi, as you're growing, as you're worshiping God, you won't have need either. Or the needs that you will have, God will supply so that you are stocked up in the way God sees fit. And he kind of connects it with the fact that in Christ, again, what we have in him is what we truly need. And from there, getting through life, food, clothing, shelter, God is going to provide what we need in the way that he sees fit. He's going to supply us to get us through life. Obviously, for the church back then, this was a this was a big thing. They 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 saw this and and knew that things were difficult as they were being persecuted or or people were losing their lives for the gospel. They understood need in terms of a much simpler way. What is my need? Just to get through today. For us, we probably don't understand their needs. Our needs get confused with our wants, our likes, and even the things that become idols in our life, the things that we find joy in and we think that they're true needs, but they really aren't. Paul says that God will supply what you truly need. And I think for us, more than the financial thing, maybe for some of us, when we think about what we truly need, it's probably more on the emotional level. It's probably more on the spiritual level. It's probably more in, in the, uh, just, God, help me get through today. Help me to have this conversation with this person I need. Or, or give me comfort in my pain. Give me someone to talk to. The supply of that need might be by someone here at the church that can comfort you in your pain and your difficulty. It might be a, a, a verse that you might hear even in a, in a sermon and say, that was just what I needed today. I don't know what it is, but I promise, and the big idea here is that God will supply it. We can see that and hear that and believe that and trust that when we have need, as we turn and find contentment in Jesus, God will supply us with what we need. And that turns Paul towards song. Verse 20. To our God and Father be glory 
forever and ever. Amen. He starts to glorify God. He starts to worship Him. He, he talks about His contentment. He talks about how this church is growing in their contentment, and He sees it in their generosity. He rejoices that God will make true to His promise that He will give what we need, as He already has in Christ. God's good on His promises, and in that He rejoices, and in that we also should rejoice. We can sing songs and sit there and say, I'm singing to the Lord who promises good things to me. Not that my life will be good, but He's going to give me what I need to walk in life in in faith with Him. He's going to strengthen me to be content in Him even when the world is low or the world is high. And that's what we want to do this morning. That's what we come together as a church to do. That's what we want to do in our life, is to rejoice in Him, who we know we can face tomorrow with, we can face whatever we're going to deal with throughout this Christmas season and into the new year. Content in Christ. This morning I would say, evaluate that. Where am I finding my contentment? How does my generosity uh, show that? Am I I being generous or am I clinging to something? And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking across the board. My time, my talents, everything. Am I trusting that God will supply? And am I praising Him for what He will do and that He is the God of giving me those things? This morning as we wrap up, I pray that these things connect in this week, even as you're giving gifts. I started off with that. As you're giving gifts and getting gifts and those kind of things, that you're thinking about this. That, that as pe- things are being passed around, for, or, or as you meet with family, that, that you sit there and say, is this, are these the kind of things I find my contentment in? Or is it Christ? As Paul says earlier, In this letter that we're closing out today, he said, Christ came to serve us by coming in the form of man, coming down, serving us by dying, death on a cross even. And now he's reigning, and every knee and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. This morning we can bank on that. As Paul closes this letter to Philippians, I hope that as a church, we can see that and that we can pursue Christ in all we do. Let's pray. Father God, we rejoice that you are a God that knows what we truly need. We wrestle with it in this world. We're distracted by so many other things. Our contentment is found in other things so easily. And God, we remind ourselves this morning that as Paul found contentment in you, as the Philippian church grew in their contentment with you as expressed through generosity, God, we ask that you can teach us 
in our lives, in our situations, what it means to truly rest in you, to find peace in you, to find joy in you, and that we press on towards that. That tomorrow, whether tomorrow is great or tomorrow is rock bottom, that you are the thing we look to, that we move towards, that we say, I want to chase after Jesus in my life. God, I pray for these people that you continue to work through your spirit as we go from here, as we celebrate what you did in the true name, our Savior and our God. Amen.